You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. And now time for the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. And as you can see, Mr. Steve Ronaldo's here at the round table and we're missing the other portion of this crew. Mr. Weber, he's out exercising his legs. Uh, you know how Jim did in the uh, Peach Street? I know he finished. Oh, that's good. I, I'm not even sure I could drive that, much less <laughs> run it. I don't know. It's a 10K, right? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I don't know how in, long. In beautiful, cool Atlanta, it weather. was cool. Was it that day? Yeah, there was a. It, it was very cool for them. Hmm. So that wasn't that bad compared to normal, which has been ninety degrees yeah. and ninety percent humidity. So this was a pretty good one for those guys. But, uh, but we we've got Mr. Ronaldo in here, and he's going to be talking uh, a tour. Well, yeah, several things, just just. Uh, general stuff next week uh we're heading to the gilmore museum uh i was there years ago when they were talking about opening opening this thing some of you guys may remember the old indie roadsters and stuff i think it was aj foyt drove a gilmore car uh, and you may remember, especially in the Midwest, the gasoline with the red lion on it, the gas stations, Gilmore Gasoline. So the Gilmore family has quite a long history with cars and, and, and stuff. Well, anyway, what they have done is in, in uh, Hickory Corners, uh, Michigan, they, they have this unique setup where specific organizations can um, build a building. Hmm. And you get a 99-year lease for next to nothing and you of the land, and you build your own building, but there's an annual maintenance fee. Now, I can't remember all the clubs that have... Uh, buildings there, and I'm talking about little buildings. I've got pretty good sized buildings. I know Cadillac has one, Model A Ford has one, uh, I think Lincoln has one, Classic Car Club has one. Uh, I, there's five or six clubs that have have these buildings and promote their particular interest. Uh, they have all kinds of activities uh, year-round. And as a lot of you know, I've been on the Horses Carriage Board, and Horses Carriage Club of America is going to be building a building for uh, on the grounds of the Gilmore. So this year, they're having their kickoff, the Brass, Brass at Gilmore. So we're going to go up there and and uh, uh, see what it's all about, and see some of our old friends. We did, you know we didn't see anybody last year, uh, and and uh, we're really looking forward to it. Um, Gilmore 
has their own buildings too, one or two, if I remember right, of their own stuff. So he started, they started this museum, but it has grown in, a lot of people say that it is the the best, because it covers so much stuff. You get, you know, you just go to one place and you see one thing. Here you get to see a lot of diversified stuff, including motorcycles and all kinds of stuff. So which, uh, are you taking the Jag? Or? No, we're just going up for the, for, for, for this uh, just, just driving the regular car up and we're not bringing a car so which uh, are you taking your Cadillac or no we'll take the Sonata just drive oh, just up a, oh, okay. yeah we're just going up and back and on the way to this when we get up there Thursday we're going to go to the Kellogg's Mansion which is supposed to be quite a place to see in Michigan it's not far from the Gilmore actually uh, where the Kellogg's Cornflakes guys were hmm so it should be kind of an, an, an interesting uh, trip. Are all the streets paved in gold? Uh, all the streets paved in gold? What do you mean? <laughs> With the, the the names that you've dropped, Kellogg's and the Cornflakes, and they've all made, in Gilmore, they've all made a bunch of money. So. Yes, they have. I don't know. Well, I've only been there once, and it was years ago. I You know, and that's when I was on the AACA board. They wanted to see what we thought of the plans and ideas and what they're doing and and you know you you mentioned that uh lincoln had a place there yeah the lincoln lincoln clark club yeah yeah you know what's happened to them they've just sort of fallen off the no they're doing good every every car company is doing good right now but i you don't hear about lincoln like you used to you know uh i don't know i i don't watch a lot of regular commercial television yeah. So, so I don't, I don't know. I know that they're they're doing quite well. Everybody's doing quite well. That's good. That's good. Yeah, because one of the things is there's if you go across the country, there are lots filled with unsold cars because of the chip shortage. You can't, you can't, they can't get their computers to to get the cars on the road. Yeah, huh. they're just sitting there waiting for. This stuff again. It's more dependent because we're dependent on on China for these things. If somebody was enterprising and smart and knew how to do it, they would open up a, a car computer <laughs> manufacturing place in the U.S. You know, they ought to do that on out on I eighty five where they're putting in a. It's strictly all industrial uh, type businesses and chips or whatever you know. And uh, that would be the perfect place to do it. Well, one of the interesting things that's coming here, on I, you mentioned I-85. If you go north on Interstate 85 out of Atlanta to Commerce, which is three-quarters of the way to the South Carolina state line, they're building a car battery plant. This is part of it. It's huge. The yeah. battery plant is huge. It's going to employ, uh, I've, I've heard all kinds of things, but we'll just say on an average uh, 25,000 people when it's done. Hmm. It's huge. I, I mean, it is a, the, probably the biggest two-story building I've ever seen. I mean, it just, it goes on for forever. Well, this, that is part of what I was talking about. And yeah. it, all of that's going to be industrial park area yeah i know and, uh, they yeah they bought the the uh, uh 
Georgia drag strip at Commerce too. That's gone. Hmm. Uh, where NHRA used to hold the uh, so, some national drag strip drag races, and, and it's gone. They bought that, and that's going to probably be part of all of this stuff. So um, it's amazing how things have have changed and turned around in, in the uh, in the car industry. How do you feel like, or how do you feel the uh, classic or vintage car? Is it? Uh, it's been out of sight for a while, and is it? Uh, you feel like it's going to be stronger than ever? Uh, <clears throat> I don't know about. I, I think certain cars. Uh, when you when you talk to people, the, the people are much more in the know than I am. Um, certain cars, yes. Yeah, uh, it's it's like when we've had other people on, or I've been to national meets, and we've had uh, like Bob Wallace and and uh, oh, I can't remember the guy's name from Barrett Jackson that wears the glasses, and a few other guys as speakers, Wayne Carini. Uh, the general talk on the on the old car industry is that if your car is we just pick a, a number like they did. $30,000 or less is what its value is. Uh, it's going to hold its value. It's going to be very easy to sell. Uh, because it, at this point, we're most... And that goes with the demographics of the antique car people. A bulk of them are in their 50s. Kids are gone. They're, they're very secure in their jobs. They have a high income, so they have expendable. They have money that they can use to pursue their hobby. And and um, those people will buy what's important to them. So $30,000 is not a huge sum of money uh, in today's world. I mean, you can buy exceptionally nice Model A Fords. For example, under twenty, exceptionally, and have a blast. I always, I always tell everybody over and over, a Model A Ford is the best old car you can own, pre World War II car. There's nothing better. And you wonder when uh, China's going to start buying them all up, <laughs> melting and melt them down, yeah, <laughs> and sell them back as tomato soup cans, yeah. Uh, I don't know, but there, but there's a lot of stuff, and and the, the demographics I I feel are changing. Uh, for which type of car? Um, you know, people people have me- they they buy what's in their memories. How many k- people today will even say in their late forties to fifties have any? connection to a Model A, hmm. a very, very small amount, or any pre-World War II car for that matter. Most people don't, but they remember uh, dad or grandpa's uh, 69 Camaro. Mm-hmm. So what they're going to be interested in is cars that, that they have a connection to. So... I do think that that what's going to to be the most popular is going to change, but I think those kind of that group that just and I'm using money as a as as a definer here. 
Uh, I think that under $30,000 market will stay strong. Uh, you may see different cars. I know when I go to AACA National Judging Meets, when I started judging back in the dark ages... Um, back when it was normal? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, it's still normal. It's just that there was maybe two or three rows of Model A Fords. Uh, now there's maybe six or seven. Hmm. Uh, because the, the younger people, first of all, those cars have all been done and restored for the most part. Every now and then, remember we had Tom Cotter on Mr. Barn Find? Every now and then you'll hear about somebody finding something. Uh, but now now you'll see cars like um, 75 and 80 something or other. Even 90s something. Because you figure, if you just pick 1990, that's 10, that's 30 years ago. One of us is getting old. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so people will buy what they have a connection to. Sure. All right. Now we go back to money. The very expensive cars or, or very, and I'm talking about cars 150000 on up. Um, or unique cars. Like, I think the record is still held right now by a Ferrari GTO. I think it's uh, $62 million. Okay. Uh, those cars will always be there, and they will always command the prices that they, they did because they're special. I think there's only like seven GTOs made. Hmm. Um, but anyway, those kind of cars and the people that can play in that ballpark don't care. Money is of no object to them. They don't even think about it. It doesn't matter. A guy will come up and say, gee, I've always wanted a blue one of those. I'll take it. That's, it's not even a question. It's just, I'll take it. Yeah. The problem comes into... Uh, between thirty and we'll say you know a hundred thousand dollars. How many people do you know have the ability to spend seventy five thousand dollars for a pure toy? Just a toy. Not a lot. No. No, no, not a lot. They really don't. So that that's where the problem comes in. Uh, you know the, these people. Those kind, those kind of cars are, and you watch the big auctions, especially. I mean, I'm not a huge auction fan, but, but uh, uh, you you watch that, you watch those cars, and uh, the best example that I can give is a few years ago, uh, try five Chevys, fifty five, six, and seven. You want to stop? Yep. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back with Mr. Rinaldo and talking about cars right after this. Hello. My name is Rick White, and I'm the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. I want to encourage all Georgia veterans to consider being nominated to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And if you are a Georgia veteran, and the definition of a Georgia veteran is either you were born in the state of Georgia, or you've lived here 10 years, or you were raised your right hand and joined the military in this state, you are considered a Georgia veteran. For further information, go to www.gmv.com. 
www.hof.org. Or you can contact me at 678-427-0915. We'd love to have your nomination for the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on America's Web Radio with Mr. Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car <laughs> for Show. For 100 years. For 100 years, yes. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to get you a gold <coughs> Mickey Mouse. A gold Mickey Mouse. Yeah. That'd be worth something, probably. Come to think you know, of. you laugh about that, but Rolex at one point made a Mickey Mouse watch. Huh. And they are just outrageously expensive if oh, you I find bet. one. They really are cuz they didn't make a lot of them. And and that's one of the real big time collectibles. Well, just get, just getting clearance to use Mickey Mouse would I'm probably sure. be very costly. Yeah, I I'm sure. It's I I can't remember but but Paul Newman's Rolex Daytona when when he finally was on a winning team at Daytona for the the 24 hours of Daytona you had to drive and and I may be wrong and if Jim was here he would know exactly but uh, you had to drive x number of laps and the, and their car was so far ahead they let him do it so he got a Rolex Daytona all of the winning teams in all the classes get a Rolex Daytona and and uh, uh, it's called a cosmograph. And when after he died, his his wife Joanne Woodward sold that at an auction, and it was well over a million dollars for his wow. Rolex watch, because it was his. Because mm-hmm. it was his. So that's again same as these cars. I, things that are special will always command. That kind, that high money, because oh, yeah. people that play in that ballpark, they're not affected by what's going on in Washington and what's going on in Afghanistan or Russia. They don't care. Just think what uh, Jay Leno's. Oh, uh, I couldn't even imagine. I, I haven't been there, of course, in many, many years since I retired. I can't imagine. And I I really enjoy seeing his show. And then when he comes on uh, my classic car with Dennis Gage, and they're there, uh, he's got stuff that it's not just old; it's new. It's like the the new general. He has the General Motors jet car. I saw that one the other day, and it is powered by a jet engine. Hmm. And it's and he helped design this thing. Hmm. And and I, you know a car like that, I don't know what anything like that would even be worth. Would, would consider that would be even be worth? When, but I know when probably, we used to go, probably make a Batman jealous. It does actually sort of looks like a weird Batman car. Um, but anyway, those kind of things they're never going to go down in value. I mean, Duesenbergs are still. Even really not super nice ones are bringing a minimum of five hundred thousand. Most of them are over a million. They've been that way for years. 
And they're always going to be that way for years, forever, because they're a Duesenberg, and there were never many of them to begin with. And they were the 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 car of the world, the, you know, and the old ghost Rolls Royces and stuff like that. They're just never going to be decreasing in value. You know, it goes back to our starting the show and stuff, and, uh, you know, you wonder... If those legends now, like the Duesenberg and and several others that uh, my dad was particularly fond of and would talk about them and stuff, and if we went to a show, you know, he'd point out this, that, or the other. But at the same token, I don't know if that's if that's really happening. Like you said, it may be happening in the in the uh, 1960s, 70s, 80s, 90s cars where a father will take his son and say, you know... This is what I had in yeah, high school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then what's happening to the ones that, like, they don't... They miss somehow, and, and they're not getting it in school by any means as far as as far as books with pictures of old cars. They're not getting that. No. And the history of them. But the, the, there are people that there's a, a normal attrition and replacement in this hobby. Uh, the older guys die, and as the older guys, their grandkids and their kids, they brought them into the hobby. So the interest is there. I, I would honestly say that it's probably the people that are participating and I know a lot of them are going to hear it like this but that's okay the, the tuner cars the little rice rockets as everybody yeah. calls them they're the next generation and, and a lot of a lot of these old farts with these old cars you know oh god I can't stand these cars oh blah 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 well what did you do when you were a kid oh hell I had a 32 Ford with a Chrysler engine in it well tell me what the difference is just tell me what the difference is uh, time yeah it's this they're doing the same thing you did only they're doing it with different stuff yeah and I always remember when Walt Seeley, who was a good friend of my father's and the guy who did the American underslung cars for the, the Deemer family, uh, when I did, I, I was probably 16, maybe, maybe 17, I don't know, but I bought a 32 Ford track roadster. It was a race car, and it was set up for Dodge. I bought it from the Dodge dealer, and I put a 318 in it, uh, with two fours, uh, the body was channeled, doors were welded shut, and all of this stuff. And and uh, the most expensive thing was the tuck and roll interior. I spent $125 for a whole interior on this. My father thought I'd lost my mind. And it was painted blue. And, of course, we didn't have mag wheels then. Um but it, you know, and I w- went by Mr. Seeley, and he says, "The hell you doing with that thing?" I said, "Well, you know, Johnny, just you'll grow up, boy, and quit messing around with that crap." And he's mm-hmm. true. It was true, and I can see these kids that are in their teens and twenties with these rice rockets and their BMW stuff. In thirty years, I can see them 
<laughs> looking at these old antique cars. I really can. You know what's so funny is, and I just really noticed it seems like it's a fad coming on, but when you and I were growing up and had our cars, and uh, one of the things, in fact, uh, a lot of cities started outlawing them, glass packs. Yeah, because they were loud. Yeah, so they were loud. And this is what I'm seeing today. More and more, they, they, haven't, yeah. they haven't got really the big set of balls that you'd think they had, but they make a lot of noise. Yeah, well, it, yeah, it, it's, it, it's like when we were kids, nobody would ever hot rod or restore a pickup truck. It was oh, yeah. totally unheard of. Oh, yeah. Those are, those are for the guys that come and paint the fence. Yep, yep. But, but now, now, pickup trucks are the in thing. Mm-hmm. See, you know, old pickup trucks, you watch the, the big national car auctions, they're bringing, you know, sure, they're very nice, and they've got big engines and blah, 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 blah. Some of them are bringing over $100,000. Yeah. So, changes. I don't, everybody's doom and gloom on this hobby. I, I don't see it that way. I, I just see this as a new crop of people growing up into this. And there are certain cars that will, that I don't think will, will hold their value much. Like I said, again, if we want to do money, things under 30,000, especially popular cars, cars that are important. Uh, to the development of automobile Model T's, Model A Fords, uh, that kind of car will will always be in in demand by the average person. Uh, and all the brass cars, brass cars don't go anywhere because first is best. You know, it, it's uh, and you wonder. I, I've never been in the car industry, particularly in the design side of it or anything like that. But, you know, I guess the first real wow was the 57 Chevy. Oh, heavens no. You don't think so? No. I, I, that was, that was, that was, things are well, already they, established. Okay, but, uh, I mean, it, it still holds its Ford value. outsold them. Hmm. Ford outsold them. With uh, what? The Victoria? Just their car. Yeah. Just their car. Ford outsold them. Everybody, for whatever, the reason that the Chevys became such a big deal, uh, for a while, back in the day, Ford dropped out of racing. Chevy continued in racing. I'm talking about NASCAR and other, other track stuff. Uh, so Ford didn't emphasize that stuff like Chevrolet did. So for young people, I could go to the Chevrolet dealership and buy a Duntoff 4440 cam and solid lifters and a two four-barrel manifold from the dealer Hmm. and put it on. Ford didn't do that. They They didn't do that. So, but still... Ford outsold Chevy a few most of those all of those years if I remember right uh, and like I said if Jim was here he could tell he'd probably tell you the numbers that were sold I have no idea <laughs> but I know they outsold them but they weren't they they didn't become the cult that you know Chevrolet did they just didn't become the cult because they didn't 
put it's like the Thunderbird. And I want to go back to finishing what we were talking about earlier. People think that the two seat Thunderbird was there to compete with the Corvette. It is not even close. The Thunderbird was the first mass market personal luxury car. If you over ninety percent of the ads for a two seat Thunderbird featured women walking out with their little tennis dresses on in the tennis court in the background, walking out from the store carrying their shopping bags, having their Thunderbird parked in front of the beauty parlor, all of this stuff. Where Corvette was designed after 54 as a performance car, because the first 53, 54s were six-cylinder. Six-cylinder. I guess we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Hi, this is Rocky Blair, former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. As a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes, soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population. This program, from Warriors to Citizen, is delivered free to families by professionals, all whom served in uniform and understand the needs to be addressed. I ask for your support. So please, go to our website, warriorstocitizen.org, and find out how you can help, either by making a donation or sharing this information with an American hero that you may know. And thank you. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on America's Web Radio and the Classic Car Show. And this week we're featuring and starring <laughs> Mr. Steve Ronaldo. And uh, we're, we're letting discussing, him... Discussing. Discussing. Discussing, yes. yes discussing. And uh, letting him pour out his knowledge. Well, you know, i just been around this stuff forever. But anyway, back to the Thunderbirds. Uh, they they weren't to compete with the Corvette. In later '56, their sales started to drop. So they said, "Well, maybe we should do some performance stuff." Well, they came out with a two four barrel car. Then in '57, they had a two four barrel car. Then they had a supercharged single four barrel car. And then, very rare, they had dual supercharged um, two four-wheel cars. And those are very rare, and they're worth $100 billion zillion dollars if you can <laughs> find one. But, but anyway, uh, so, you know, 
things change. Ford didn't support it like the performance and like like Chevrolet did. You know, I it was now they didn't call me and ask me my opinion, obviously, but uh, I can remember as a kid when they went from the the uh, two seater Thunderbird to, to the fifty eight. Yeah, to the square bridge. Yeah, and uh, I thought that was a terrible mistake. I thought they lost their identity. Well, people, they, they, like again, you got to remember, they weren't trying to market this as a performance car. Yeah. They wanted personal luxury cars, where Corvettes stayed true to their roots. Well, fifty three and fifty four. The 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 story is that that. When Curtis LeMay came back from the 8th Air Force in Europe, he brought back an MGTC. And uh, he went to the president of General Motors and said, look, we don't have any cars in this country that are fun. We don't make fun cars. We make grandma's cars, DeSoto's and and Buick's and (laughs) Mercury's. You know, we don't make performance cars. So they came out with the Corvette to compete with the British sports cars that were the first mass-market sports cars in the U.S. And the first Corvettes, people don't even know, they they were six-cylinder. They were all automatics. 53 and 4 were all six-cylinder automatics. Huh. Every one. And there's some very funny stories about these cars. They didn't have roll-up windows. They had side curtains, just like British sports cars. I didn't uh, realize that. Yeah, very, very, very primitive. And uh, they used a truck, shortened truck chassis. It, it's just a weird story. Anyway, the first 300, there was only 300 made in 53. They were never sold. They were given to people. To, be, to celebrities and to their huge dealers, like John Lamb in Florida was a huge Chevy dealer, and he has one. His family, he, he of course is long gone, uh, but but his family still has it, and it sits mm-hmm. on the showroom floor. It never left the showroom floor. Huh. Cool, but they gave one to John Wayne. And he couldn't get in. He it. couldn't get in it, <laughs> so he gave it to his secretary. <laughs> he couldn't get in. There's all kinds of stories about those cars. And then, in in uh, um, '55, they came out with a 265 small block V8 and put it in the Corvette, and that that said, "Here we are. We're going racing now." And they did forever. They did forever. You know, as you were telling that story, and and this has happened a lot of times on this show, but I'll, I'll be sitting, and I'm, I'm fascinated with what you and Jim know and can talk about and so forth, but it always comes to mind. You wonder, and like you said, on the uh, Corvette, the first one was on a, on a truck chassis, and uh, you just wonder how many man hours at a drawing board oh you couldn't even comprehend what they were doing and today you could pop it out in two seconds on a cad system you know yeah well there's a lot of computer stuff yeah you know it's just all the difference in the world we have laws too now we didn't have any laws back then you know there were no rules you just made and and you just made what you wanted and people either bought it or they didn't and we now it's all it's all controlled by laws 
and stuff. But anyway, getting sort of back to where we started with this stuff, uh, the cars, the, the, the mid-range price cars are, are the ones. I, I started talking about the, the Tri-5 Chevys. Uh, a few years ago, they were selling especially a really nice convertible for 100000 or more. You watch the Barrett-Jackson auction or Mecham or any of those big auctions, you can buy an exceptionally nice one for sometimes under under th- under 40. Hmm. Uh, there are just certain cars that have lost their great appeal. Uh, it, uh, muscle cars are one. I grew up when I got back from Vietnam, of course, everybody every guy from Vietnam, if you were normal, wanted a muscle car. Most guys wanted some kind of a muscle car. That's why I ended up with that GTO convertible, uh, that 69 GTO convertible. Everybody wanted that stuff. Um, When we got older and had the money, a lot of the guys of my age said, I always wanted a 396 Chevelle. They Mm -hmm. bought it. Then they got it, and they drove it for a while and realized, you know, I much rather drive my Toyota Camry. It's much more comfortable. <laughs> Quieter. The radio works. <laughs> and so they scratch that itch. And unless it's some kind of a very special muscle car, very special, I'm not talking about resto mods, but just a stock, that they're, they've, they've taken a huge hit. Huge, huge hit. As far as value goes. But like you get a Yenko Camaro or something like that, like the, the Donahue Javelins with the 401 that you can find. These things, those things are special. So they're going to always hold their value and command the price. But the regular stock ones, when our generation is gone, the young kids, a lot of them won't recognize that stuff they won't they won't have a connection to it they you know this this is why i had thought it was a good idea and and i still do but it's a shame that uh other folks that thought it was a great idea and just didn't want to work at it but that's for the grand have grandparents days where they can go to the museum and take their grandkids and say you know my dad used to have one of these or i had one of these and you yeah. Know. Oh, yeah. That's why take it. That there's a program. We got to get this guy on from take a kid to a car show. Hmm. It's a it's a fair, fairly good or big organization, and they have posters. Take a kid to a car show. Um, I mean, I, our next door kid. I I couldn't. I couldn't. I I couldn't tie him to the seat. And make <laughs> him go. It's just not important anymore. Cars are. Well, there's a couple of reasons, I think, too. One is they all look alike. Uh, they're all soulless. They have no personality for the most part. I'm talking about your everyday car that yeah. mom and dad drive. They, they're they just there. You know, they're, they're, they're just there. I, I don't... I don't know. Okay, let me... I just thought of something. You're, you've been in the business you know, with large corporations and nobody's ever disclosed to my knowledge and maybe you can and this will be breaking news all over the world 
Huh? Breaking news. That's it. That's it. Okay. Here's the question. How do they get that new car smell in the new cars? Uh, it's in a spray can. You can buy it at Walmart in the auto section. You Actually, uh, you can. I know you can, but that's not it's what the they stuff, do. It's the stuff in the upholstery material. Is it? Yeah, it, it it it's they they have a some sort of something that's used in the carpets in the upholstery material, and all that stuff is plastic, and it's a hydrocarbon smell coming off the plastics and all of that stuff, um, and then it 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 goes away. It dissipates. Yes. Yeah, it goes away. It, it's done, but some of the funny things back in the day, uh, when I was at Honda, we had a lot of complaints. On the dark-colored dashboards, uh, the plastic that was used would come off on the dashboard and cloud up the interior of the windshield. It was just the hydrocarbons coming off the dashboard in the hot sun. And and, um, we had to come out with a cleaner to to get this stuff off and then of course they reformulate as the emission laws got tighter uh and people don't think about this stuff one of the things that they do i don't know if they still do it but back in the day it was called a shed test and what they would do is they had a they had a a, a building and they'd open the windows up and they'd heat the car with these like sun lamp sort of things, and they would check the emissions coming off of the car, huh. and see if how much how much how much emission just just static running no running no nothing just sitting there. Well, a couple things happened out of that. The the re- okay in the beginning. A lot of cars had plastic seats. You remember plastic seats? Oh yeah. Okay, and then they all of, and exactly, and all, then all of a sudden you started to see fuzzy stuff on the seats. You still see fuzzy stuff on the seats, and you still see material on the seats and leather because it doesn't have any emissions or minimal at best. Paint used to be lacquer or enamel. They gave off hydrocarbon emissions. That's now why we have the water-based color clear coat stuff, because it doesn't give off emissions. So all of these changes go back to uh, government regulations on emissions. Interesting. Yeah, it's really like I said back in the day when I'd come in and we didn't have computers and we had terminals. There would be more crap from EPA, NHTSA, CAFE. uh, I know I'm forgetting one, but anyway, one of those agencies about the latest things. And then our guys, our guys would in California at American Honda would have to to respond to this stuff. You know, as old as I am, and you are, uh, I have the answer to the dashboard situation. I can remember they were all metal and hotter than hell. Yes, they were. They were metal, <laughs> and and some of them were covered with leather on the top. Some, yeah, yeah. And the dashboard inserts were wood, like in the British cars. Most yeah. of them were wood. 
laminum. Yeah, a lot of them were wooden dashboards, so they didn't. They, so it was a whole different. A lot of things have evolved and changed over the years in in manufacturing and stuff. Well, one one thing hadn't changed with this show. I got to take another break. Oh, and, okay, uh, we've got to mention our friends at J.C. Taylor Insurance, and we'll let Steve do that right now. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Hi, this is Rocky Blair, former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. As a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes, soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population. This program, from Warriors to Citizen, is delivered free to families by professionals, all whom served in uniform and understand the needs to be addressed. I ask for your support. So please, go to our website, warriorstocitizen.org, and find out how you can help, either by making a donation or sharing this information with an American hero that you may know. And thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we do thank you for listening to America's Web Radio. And, you know, Steve and I, we talk, obviously, uh, off mic and so forth. But I want to thank Steve publicly and particularly for all the time that we've been doing the show. But, you know, it's like today. It just... I'm having a very good time just listening to Steve and his stories and Steve and the knowledge that he has of the car industry, and and it gives me a time to think about when I was growing up, and, you know, we've talked about this before, and, and we were just talking about it. What a difference the CAD system has made in the designing of cars. Yeah. and Complying and, with the rules. Yeah. Complying with all of the rules. And... Uh, you know, back when we were growing up, it, it was such a big deal in September. To the new cars would come out yeah. in September, and and you that was like that was like your own little pride in your hometown. That was your own little Disney World for a, a night, as you'd go by the different dealerships. We we would make it. You know, we'd go by Chevy, by Ford, by. And they'd give the kids a plastic model. Yeah, they did. They had, they had, yeah, they had plastic models. They give the kids until they ran out of them. But Uh, you know, and you and I talked about this one time, I think. But I wonder, and I'm sure there's somebody out there that does this. That when when did they start putting? dealership tags or not tags but stickers or, or oh god that goes way back forever i wonder if is there a museum or a collection of those? i'm sure there is I, you know automobilia 
that kind of stuff is is a huge part of this hobby. Because like, yeah, our Chevrolet. I think I mentioned this to you one time, but our Chevrolet dealership was Penny Chevrolet. So in in the middle of the Chevrolet logo, the little not square, but the, you know what yeah, I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the bow tie. Yeah, right in the middle of it was a penny. So they put a penny on every car that sure. and it, your, and they, your car came from Penny Chevrolet. Yeah, they had license plates, all kinds yeah. of stuff. Yeah. License, and yeah, yeah. Lots of that stuff. I just, uh, the, there's got to be some place that has all Oh, that. I'm sure. There's guys that collect it. I, another big part of the hobby uh, that's related that people collect are, are uh, hood ornaments and mascots. Yeah. Some of those things were, are. D- well, the Pierce Arrow one that I know of, the, the big Pierces had in the early 30s, they had um, the man, the archer, was silver. The gold and the air, the the bow and the arrow were gold, and it had two, what are the red stones? Set rubies? Yeah, rubies. In their eyes. Huh. Yeah, and and there there were lots of these. A lot of them used silver, the luxury cars, and all of this stuff. You know, that's, that's another another huge weird thing that you don't think about. Spark plug collectors. There's a whole society of spark plug collectors. There are some of the nuttiest spark plugs you can <laughs> think of. I bet, and I, I that I that I couldn't get into, but you know the the hood ornaments. They were what really the radiator. Uh, Some were radiator caps, and then they got away from that. They were just there, you know, like the Plymouth. Plymouth had that big boat. Some of them are huge. Hupmobile, the big, and that was big, a big circle with an H in it. And, you know, some of these things are just goofy. You just wonder. Uh, with this in Jaguar had the leaping cat. Mm-hmm. And MG, oh, yeah, yeah MG well. had the octagon with MG in it, and people always wonder, well, why is an octagon? Well, that's what Cecil, when they formed MG Car Company back in the early 30s, that was the shape of Cecil Kimber's, who, the founder of MG Car Company. It was a, sir, the, the, his dining room table where they drew up all the stuff. Huh. <laughs> and there's all stories behind all, all of these things. And license plates, there's a huge, huge oh, I'm group sure, yeah. that collects license plates. And some of them are outlandishly expensive. And they're not all in restaurants on the road. <laughs> <laughs> no, some of them are like the... the uh, in this state, for example, in Georgia... The, the most valuable one, uh, there's actually two, was 1941. It was blue with sort of yellow letters and had a big peach in the middle of it. <laughs> uh, that's a very highly collectible one. I happened to have one because Brenda's dad had one and he gave it to me. Uh, another one is when they started, I, if I remember right, and again, I only know this state because the northeastern states were different. They had license plates earlier, but in this state, you could register your car, but you didn't get a license plate. You could, you, you made your own. Huh. Uh, anything you wanted. If anything, in Georgia? If you, you didn't have to have one. You didn't have to have a lot, but you could register your car in case it got stolen with the serial number, and the police had the serial number. 
Huh. But in this state, I have on my 1909 Maxwell a leather license plate with uh, – I, I saw pictures of it with a, a um, uh, house – brass house number signs on it. Hmm. So I had I made I had a guy make me one a leather guy a real thick you know like yeah. shoe sole leather uh, and that was that was acceptable you didn't have to have one and in, if I remember right I think ten in this state was the first state issued license plate and there are so few that they can find the last one I heard uh, uh, sold for ten thousand dollars. Wow. So there are other parts of this hobby too that that and it's called automobilia and it there's a lot of of unusual aspects to this. I the the spark plugs. I have a friend that's a spark plug. He has display cases full of spark plugs. There were so many people that made spark plugs. Well, now I, quite frankly, I wouldn't be real interested in seeing. It's interesting to look at. Though. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I got in an argument when I first moved here. Not really an argument, just uh, the lady that waited on me pretty much said I was stupid. But I went in to get my tag, Georgia Tags. Tag. Yeah. I'm sorry. But I, she gave me one, and I said, okay, where's the other one? And she said, you only get one. And Texas, you have one front some, and back. Some states do, yeah. yeah and... Uh, I, I said, oh, okay, I thought you got two, like in Texas. And nope, we only, you put this on the back of the car and that's it. Yep, a lot of states. It's, I, yeah, I don't know what the, the number is of how, which states are what. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But, a lot, yeah, I know New York State is two. A lot of the southern states are one. I don't know if Tennessee is two. I guess that's from the moonshine stuff they were always behind you to, and they could get your license yeah, off the thunder road yeah <laughs> trying, to, trying to catch you yeah you know I, and i know there's got to be a museum for that for the license plates no for the um, moon oh all kinds. well and and we have here the the uh in dawsonville i don't know exactly when it is is the moonshine festival yeah and the old NASCAR guys, and that are there's a couple that are still alive. Uh, they bring their stuff, and a lot of them, uh, a lot of the old moon, the moonshine tanker cars are hidden away up in uh, up in North Georgia and Tennessee and North Carolina, and <coughs> they'll find and restore them and set them up just so you'll see those guys there uh, with stuff. And you know, just like anything else. And we might laugh about it or kid about it, but the moonshiners brought new technology. They wanted to go faster. They wanted to go faster, and without the uh, with the yeah. shock absorbers, it would really. Yep, they wanted absolutely because you you figure some of those things hold two hundred gallons, and just just basically. You know that the, the average liquid is around ten pound, between eight to ten pounds. So make it ten. That's two thousand pounds more you're adding to the weight in the back of that thing. And and 
You know, it, it's inter- it, the history is pretty interesting of this stuff. If you want to read it, it's it's called. Uh, there's a book called Finding a Founding of NASCAR. Uh, it, it's about the. It's called Ride with the Devil, <laughs> and it's all the 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 the, the moonshiners. And of course, famous ones like Junior Johnson and stuff. Like he said, I had to, when I was racing, he said I couldn't afford it. And he said I had to, I had to run liquor during the week so I could go racing on the weekends. <laughs> uh, you know, these are great stories, and I, I guess, like you just said, some of them are written down. Oh yeah, right. It's a funny, funny book. My my favorite there, and it's got it's got some stories, and we don't have a lot of time. But I, one of my favorite stories is the Flock Brothers, and one of the Flock Brothers raced with a monkey called Jocko. He put a monkey on his shoulder in the race car, <laughs> and he could open this thing on the floor and change the brake bias front to rear. And first time he did that was Jocko saw the road go or the track going by and he went crazy started jumping around all over that track so he grabbed the monkey and held it and pulled into the pits and handed the monkey to the crew chief you take care of this damn thing so after the race is over he pulled he pulled in and he said all right where's Jocko he said I strangled that thing I couldn't stand it I mean, he's got the great funny stories about the, these guys back in the, the after World War II and the four, and of course the best movie Thunder Road. Oh yeah! If you've uh, never seen Thunder Road, go find it and watch it. If you're a car guy, that's one of the movies you have to see. Yeah. So, anyway, well, this went fast, huh? Oh yeah, and we're about. Uh, going to have to close it out here pretty quick and want to thank everybody for listening and uh, you know if you have questions or anything like that you can always send them in to gm at america's web radio and we'll get our expert mr ronaldo and mr weber who really knows the specifics and uh we'll get them to answer those questions for you and we look forward to hearing from you and our doors are always open. If you've got a suggestion, let us know. And, uh, again, we appreciate you listening, and stay tuned for more entertainment on America's Web Radio. Thanks, Steve. Yep. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.